When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And I had to accept at that point that this is not something we can conquer. This is something we have to manage. Those are my sleepy time shorts. Oh, so cute. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. <laughs> yeah, I am laying in the bed right now. And okay. I, yeah, you can see the and shorts that my, shorts. And my sleepy time shorts. <laughs> Just have them up there for next time it's sleep. I should be wearing them now because I you wanted should. to sleepy time. You should. Yeah. Uh, very cute. How are you? Yeah. I'm okay. I'm in a recording from Winnipeg, Manitoba Ooh. in my childhood home. So the home that was like my grandparents my whole life when they passed away, my cousin Nikki bought it. Right. And so this has remained the spot where I stay when I come to town. Aww, and. I'm in Winnipeg for two reasons, for a wedding tomorrow, which will be fun. But then I mm-hmm. also came to spread my dad's ashes. Right. And so I've been having a lot of, what do I call them? Stress naps. Yes. That's yeah. good. You need- yeah. I'm just having a lot of stress naps. My snaps. Aww. I think it's good. I think my body's like, hey, remember your dad died. Oh, and totally. You, like you're not working. You're taking time off. So yeah. It's been good. I'm like trying to listen to my body. We're doing a lot of nostalgic things. Like my grandma used to make toasted tomato sandwiches. Aww. Which like I will, I would never think to eat this in Calgary yeah. where I live. But I am in my childhood home where my grandma made them. And so me and my cousin like went out to her garden. Like my now Aww. my cousin's garden. Pulled a tomato. And I've just been eating my weight in toasted tomato sandwiches. That's cute. Do you do like the salt and pepper? Oh, it's fair. You got to, you toast the bread, mm-hmm. you put a layer of margarine on both pieces, mm-hmm. a layer of mayo on both pieces. Oh, wow. Okay. Two slices of tomato, salt and pepper, and it is out of this world. That sounds amazing. I don't want to like mess with your nostalgia, but no, if you put me. a little like balsamic vinegar glaze on there, that would probably taste pretty good too. So I feel like in Calgary, maybe I would. Oh, okay. So it's Maybe not like a basil. Thing. It's yeah, it's this is just I can't make it any different. Yeah, no, totally. I get yeah. that. But yeah, yesterday like we spread the ashes at my dad's aunt's house. Yeah. And it's been really nice to like connect with people and see people. Aw, that sounds good. I mean, yeah, how's your week? Sad but good. 
Yeah, um, yeah. My week's been okay. I worked a lot this week, except for yesterday, because my oldest tested positive for COVID mm. on Thursday night. So I came home from work on Thursday, and they had a headache all day at school, and then was like coughing and runny nose and sore throat and ended up getting a fever. So I was like, let's test you. Like we haven't done any testing since May. Yeah. That's when we all had it, but they never got it. That's right. Um, You did have COVID go through your house. Yeah, we did. So we had COVID. And your oldest was one of the, was there two kids that never got it? Yeah. So my oldest and my middle didn't get it. So yeah, tested them and they were like immediately positive. Oh no. Like bam. And so it was the first COVID test of the school year and it was positive. So I was like, oh great. Um, So I stayed home yesterday, which was good. Like everyone at work was really understanding and I've been working a lot right now. I'm working as much as I possibly can just because we're really short right now. So they were really good with letting me have the day. Oh, good. And yeah, I'm just purging stuff, garbaging stuff. My dad is like on a mission right now because they moved and I moved. So we did a garage sale. Then we took a trip to the dump, took a trip to donations. And my dad is very like on a schedule when it comes to certain things. So this morning I came outside and my entire sit down area was gone. What? Like my dad's putting it away in the shed. Oh, for the... Oh. Yeah, because it's now the time to put it away. And for me, I'm like, there's still like nice days coming. Like we could still sit out. So my deck is totally like bare. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. But we have the two plastic Adirondacks chairs. So I put them back because I'm like, we can still be nice to still be able to sit on the deck for a little bit longer. But it's like, he's just funny because it's like, nope, it's fall now. We put everything away. (laughs) Winter's coming. Here's your snow shovels. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Oh my God. That's funny. Yeah. And you can't really mess with his, his plan. So no, he's got it right down to a system. But yeah, that's That's funny. I don't think anything crazy has happened this week that I can think of. Well, that brings me to a segue. All these segues always happen. So great. Uh, The weather's changing, which means it's almost October, which means it is almost spooky season. I know. I already have some spooky things up in my house and spooky decor. Oh, I never I, think to decorate the inside of my house for anything. Yeah, I usually was just like a strictly Christmas decorator. Yeah. But I've gathered a few things over the last few years, like pumpkin-y type things yeah. or Halloween type things, and I put those out. It's just fun. We have a couple of spooky crossover episodes that we're doing with some other podcasts on our main yes. feed. Yes. And then on our Patreon, we have a couple and actually something just recently happened that I won't get I into like as early as yesterday at my dad's ass scattering that <laughs> I just, you were, you were like, what? The way you said it, it sounded like you said ass gathering. <laughs> <laughs> I am laying like down. You had Ash. a little bit of a list. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you like, were like, Hey friend, like how did the day go? And I was yeah. like, too much to tell you. Probably an entire Patreon episode. Yes. So we're going to have maybe two or three spooky Patreon episodes. Yeah, I know. I'm excited. And we interviewed Corby. Yeah. Who, who is a is medium. A medium tarot card reader, past life regression reader out of yeah. New York. And she's the personality is just like exactly what you think. She's amazing. Yeah, she's perfect. And 
we're going to do a giveaway. So every now and then, when we can, we like to do giveaways over on our Patreon. And so for the month of October, if you are a Patreon, you will be entered into the draw to win a copy of Corby's book. And yeah. we will throw in a couple of extras. I don't know. Yeah, maybe some I love the, I love our Halloween themed stuff. It's pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy it. So for those that don't know, Patreon is a monthly subscription. One of the best ways to support the work that we do. It allows us to, I don't know, just do more. And so as a thank you, we do two bonus episodes per month. And then depending on what level you're at, we have three tiers. You get entered into the draw once or twice. You get episodes early. We do a video series once a month. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And you can choose what you like and unsubscribe or subscribe at any time you never lose the episodes that we have already done yeah and there's over 60 bonus episodes right now yeah I think we're at 64 65 also I just want to mention if you're new to listening to us we have a back catalog on our main feed of like over 130 episodes so that's That's a huge binging opportunity to just go back and binge away I always warn people if you start at the beginning Mm mm-hmm Give us some grace because we were figuring out our sound and our editing. The stories are still great, but our editing and sound control just grow exponentially. I think that's just with any new podcast. I went back and started listening to Let's Go to Court and it's like, oh yeah, their audio was so bad, but it's just kind of the more you do it, the more you learn and you figure out what works. And like you said, the stories are still good and the content is still good. Yes. Can I quickly shift gears and ask for your opinion on something? Absolutely. I want to ask everybody's opinion. Okay. So I want to remember to put this on the stories on Tuesday. Did Anthony ever snore? I would, I'm the snorer of the couple. Okay. So did Anthony ever wake you up to stop you from snoring? Yes. How did he do it? He would nudge me. Just to stir you a little yeah. bit? Sometimes he put his hand over my nose and mouth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So one time... I disclosed to Lindsay that she she doesn't even snore really, but right. for the way she was laying, she was snoring a little bit. Okay. And it woke me up and I just gently blew on her face. Oh my God. That's weird. Is, is that weird? That's weird. I would be so alarmed if I woke up to somebody blowing on my face. But here, here's what my intention was. I don't want to wake her up, but I just wanted to give her... <laughs> Change her, her, like, breathing pattern or something? Yeah, or something. Give her a sensation to just yeah. stir her a little bit without jolting her awake. I told her, and she was like, please don't ever blow on my face again. <laughs> well, it makes not... me think of, have you seen that gif where Nicolas Cage, is, he's got his long hair and it's, like, blowing yes. back in the wind? That's what it makes me think of. Like, I didn't take a leaf blower to her no. face. I just gently <laughs> did a... And no, I don't like that. I would feel the same way. I'd be like, no, please don't blow on my face. So would it have been better to like push her shoulder, like jerk yeah, her? Yeah, not jerk her, but you gently nudge them so that they stir a little bit and change positions. And then the right. snoring stops. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or you put some tape over their mouth. I don't know. Yeah, I still, I bought that mouth tape. I know, and you then have to my, use it. I know, my dad got sick and died and I didn't Ugh in like a funny testing out yeah mouth. no I know I'll try it when I get back I'll try it all right I have been so excited for this episode me too me too was oh amazing. my gosh so much fun. yeah so we'll let everybody get to it give it a listen and let us know what you think all right okay bye bye
Good morning, Kyla. Good morning, ladies. How are you? We're good. <laughs> We're so stoked to meet you and talk to you. We've been following your story for, I don't even know, like TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, we've been sharing TikToks for since January of 21. And then Bella's like whole medical story that I've been sharing online. We're going on nine years. Wow. wow. Yeah. In my yeah. mind, online has only existed for five. Like I, <laughs> I think, weird. oh, I got yeah. out of high school 10 years ago and it was yeah. like actually 20. And it's I, crazy. I through all the media. Like I started Bella's first year in hospital. I was on, like everyone was on Facebook. Yeah. And yeah. then I, it took me a while to get into Instagram and then I didn't get it. No. And I, I don't think my Instagram really, I was like Facebook, TikTok. That was me. Oh. And then Instagram kind of grew after I got better at TikTok, but TikTok also just blew up out of randomness. So yeah. I'm I like, my media is just, we got a lot of viewers. Let's do something good with this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go from there. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Michelle's always the one who's like on the trend and she'll be like, you have to get Instagram or even Facebook. I was like, I've got MySpace. Why would I want Facebook? And she's like, <laughs> no, it's so great. And I'm like, I don't know. And same with Instagram, same with Pinterest, yeah. same with TikTok. Yeah. When, when Facebook came out, I literally called my friends. I'm like, I signed you up. This is your password. <laughs> I friended you. So let's do this. Ready to go. <laughs> I, love doing how, it. I love how TikTok roasts all previous media. You'll go yeah. out there and just get TikTok about like, vague Facebook statuses. And I'm like, oh yes, gosh, wrote that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I love how they roast like the reels on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I think like when our kids grow up, there's going to be something that like we have no comprehension of. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But Who I feel knows? like I just have to constantly be on the new thing because my yeah. kids are going to be like You've knowing about lit. it. And I need, yeah, I need to be lit and yeah. I can't be sus. Woke. And yeah, you got to be woke. <laughs> All these things. Woke, yeah. Lit. What else yeah. is there? Don't cap. Be sus. No cap. <laughs> it's too much. It's too My, much. Uh, I'm not cool. The big one now is yeah. cringe. They always tell me what's cringe. I'm like, okay. oh, God. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I would love it if you could introduce yourself, maybe tell us a little bit about you, your family, and yeah. then we're really here to talk about adorable and incredible Bella and yeah. you and your whole family's journey. Yeah. So yeah, she takes over the conversation. I was just going to say, just like looking at you, you like, she looks so much really like your twins. <sighs> okay. That means a lot because from the second she came out of me, because yeah. we had a section of counseling. For the second she came out, all the doctors and nurses for the first two years of her life. And like I was like by her side in the hospital 24-7. Yes. Of course, like Lyle's at home working. So we can't always be there. And like some of these nurses wouldn't even know Lyle. And they're like, oh, she looks like her dad. <laughs> Just like, I know, I feel like part of you, like up yeah. here looks yeah. identical. Identical, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> the longest time. Is she even mine? <laughs> it's like Lyle. Don't yeah. you love when kids do that? They like, you do everything yeah. for them. And it's like, oh, you look like your dad. Or they say dad oh, yeah. first. And you're like, really? Oh yeah. So back to introduction. Okay. So I grew up in Sookern, Saskatchewan. That's where I'm from. And my husband and I own a tree farm here on our acreage. Before Bella was born, I was teaching. I was a teacher. I haven't taught since the pandemic was the last year where I had a full-time career teaching, but it was also the year that Bella got listed for a bowel transplant through SickKids. So 
that was the year that I stepped down and became full like medical mom and then morphed into also content creator. And my husband also works for the government of Saskatchewan. We live on an acreage just outside of Sukkot. And yeah, what else? <laughs> oh, I have, okay. So my son Waylon is three. He'll be four in a couple weeks. And Bella will be nine in December. Wow. Oh, she's, she's enjoying grade four. Waylon is going to start hockey soon. And I'm just living the mom life, the medical mom life. It's been the first summer, maybe year that we've been able to do more things that we like to do, that I like to do, just because Bella's medical needs have been a little bit easier to manage. So we got out camping a lot this summer and saw a lot of friends this summer, which was really good. Awesome. awesome. And yeah. how long have you and Lyle been together? Lyle and I got, we started dating in 2005. We got married in 2009. Oh, so wow. We just had our 13th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. The lacy one, the lacy year. <laughs> oh. And I just out of curiosity, what kind of trees do you farm? We farm a lot of like large quantity shelter belt spruce, a lot of spruce, a lot of poplars, like ones that grow fast and grow big. But we can get in any trees if people want a specific tree, but we grow on our 10 acre acreage. We grow a lot of spruce, a lot of pine and poplar. I feel yeah. like in Saskatchewan, you need that. Whenever yeah. I'm driving through, you see all the, or I guess even flying, you see all the acreage and they're all like all the houses are surrounded by blocks of trees for the wind yeah. and uh-huh. weather yeah. so yeah you'd want something yeah. that grows fast and big yeah for sure yeah awesome. yeah we get a lot of wind out here so help with that oh, too wow yeah. so you have been sharing Bella's story on social yeah. media like we said for nine years and yeah. your guys's TikToks are so stinking cute <laughs> Bella seems like sassy and funny like yes. she seems like the kid that like has a good sense of humor like she gets yeah. it yes she always has. I like to say she got that from me, but there's some things that she comes up with that I know are just her and she's just yeah. hilarious. And we just like to have fun with it. Yeah, we've been on the TikTok train for almost, I think almost, it'll be two years in January. And I started with TikTok just because I was like, okay, what's this app? This is new. Like I didn't all know the cool kids it. were doing it. All yeah. the cool kids. Yeah, I was the typical, oh, let's just see what we're doing on here. Let's have some fun. And then Bella and I just started making random videos. I had no idea how to use the app. We would just go on there and do like random funny things or document random funny things. And then this one video I took of her drawing just blew up the internet to the point where I had Halsey DM me on Instagram. Oh my gosh. And she's like, so she saw this TikTok that blew up. And it was a Bella drawing a fox. And I was literally, I was just playing around with TikTok. And overnight, it went over a million views. That's and, wild. And, and then I get this DM from Halsey in the morning saying that she saw Bella on TikTok and then went over to my Instagram and started reading her whole story. And it touched her heart and she wanted to send Bella a care package. And I'm like, holy crap, this oh is amazing. God. Yeah. So then I chatted with Halsey on Instagram and of course we documented when Bella received her gift from her and that's on TikTok and then from there we've really used it as just a a place to have fun because Instagram is more like I call it my journal like like our updates our medical updates because you can share more on Instagram TikTok is really strict like yesterday I just posted a video I we always share something fun, but I like to be real and let people know we're about helping others be brave. Cause mm-hmm. my daughter has 
something inside of her that just helps her be brave through so many hard things. And I've had so many nurses and doctors tell me she's got confidence like they've never seen. And we really just want to share our story to help other kiddos in similar positions or families. And so when I try to share the medical side of things on TikTok, even in a supportive, uplifting way, TikTok's like, no, this is a child. We don't want to see IVs or needles or bandages yet. They're like, nope. So they marked it as sensitive comment. And all it was is Bella was like holding my phone and like, talking about me hooking up her TPN IV. And I'm like, oh, come on, TikTok. So TikTok's just forcing me to keep it simple, keep it funny, keep it cute. So we're going to do that. And then Instagram is more like where we share more of the details because our whole life since 2020 is really had big changes. And one of them being Bella's listed for a bowel transplant. So where does her story begin? Does it begin in utero? Did you know that there were some medical complications or was it not until she was born? It really started when she was three days old. I had a real good pregnancy with her. I really had no idea what was going on. I had a great pregnancy. She moved around a lot. But now that I look back, the inkling that the doctor shared with me that she might be smaller was during my second trimester. They noticed she just stopped growing and they're like, okay, she might be small or we're not really sure. So we booked you for an, we're going to book you for an MRI. I got an MRI. They're like, she looks healthy. She just might be small. And I'm like, okay, all right then. So it was kind of, there's way more to it. There was one doctor that was like, could be this, which was like discussions of like fatal conditions, right? which she actually had. And then one doctor was, oh, she just might be small. Right. So I was left leaving that appointment thinking okay she's okay she's a healthy baby but we really don't know what's going to happen and then when she was born my husband had to tell me this part of the story because it was really a blur to me I had an emergency c-section with her because I labored for 33 hours and then I didn't know my water had broke it leaked Mm. on a Wednesday and I had her on a Friday oh wow yeah so I started getting a fever and the doctor was like you're only six centimeters we tried morphine twice. We tried like soaking in a bath. We tried everything. And she's like, no, I got to take her out via C-section. I didn't know it was a girl. So she was born via C-section. Everything was good. She came out screaming and the doctor, our pediatrician at the time whisked her away with Lyle. And I was recovering from an emergency C-section, like completely exhausted. So I didn't really, I got to see her across the room on the measuring table. And then I recovered for an hour and didn't see her till I got back to the room. And so in that hour that they were sewing me up, Lyle later told me that it was like a bombardment of this is wrong. 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 This doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. And he never told me that because he was still processing that and he didn't want to scare me. And he really just saw a health, our healthy little girl with, she had her bent wrist at the time. And that was it. That's all he saw. We had no idea she was actually born with skid, dwarfism, and long segment Hirschsprungs. No idea. And at most, we knew that her wrist was kinked because they thought maybe in utero it got stuck in a position that made it bend. And then I just remember like emergency C-sections and the drugs and stuff, like they, they really knocked me out because I had a planned C-section with Waylon. Huge difference. I was way more aware. And so a lot of the first three days with Bella were really blurry. I just remember trying to feed her. 
I was just so happy. She was so sweet, a good baby. On day three is when she started vomiting and she hadn't pooped yet. And her stomach was so distended. It, you could see the veins and the thin skin. And they were like, we need to air trans transport her to the nearest hospital because something's wrong with her bowels. Oh. And that was the first day we found out she had Hirschsprung's disease. So that's dead colon, like dead cells. Like your colon is just dead cells causing a blockage in your bowels. And so the surgeon took her in at three days old. He was in Saskatchewan. He was very aware of Hirschsprung's disease. He's like, you know what? We're going to take her in. She's going to have a colostomy for a while. We'll sew her back up in a couple months and she'll be good to go. So I had a real positive outlook. After that first surgery, three days old, we never left the hospital for two years straight. It took two years to understand her full range of diagnoses. There was so much blurred in the beginning, focusing on her bowels, that we had no idea she had no immune system from birth. That was the skid, the severe combined immune deficiency. And now, thankfully, Alberta started sooner than we did, but this year, Recently, Saskatchewan started screening our newborns for skid oh, because, wow. yeah, because when you're born with that disease, you don't survive the common cold. Bella was diagnosed with skid. That's a whole nother story, the way she was diagnosed. But in a nutshell, we were in hospital in Calgary, ACH, and we were there because we couldn't get her off oxygen. She wasn't getting better. We were still, she was on her fourth bowel surgery. So when you think about it in a sense that she's having bowel surgeries, that open up her system to stool, right? Mm -hmm. And she has no immune system. She has no ability to fight any bacteria. When we found out she had skid, it made everything in the last 11 months make sense. Right. And then on top of that, her immunologist in Calgary was like, I cannot tell you how she's alive. Wow. I, it is a miracle. She's like, this is a miracle that she's alive. She's like, I don't know how she's alive. And then from that point on, we were in isolation until she could receive her bone marrow transplant. And so basically the first 11 months of her life in hospital, we were trying to figure out her bowels. And with Hirschsprungs, it usually affects the colon only. And as time went on and more surgeries were not fixing it, we realized that she had a rare form of Hirschsprungs that affected her entire colon and her small bowel that has never been seen before. Wow. So we had hospitals all over the world, not just in Canada, trying to understand what rare conditions she has and why. We had geneticists from three different provinces, all the teams in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and then at that point, England, because England has very advanced bone marrow transplant team that oh. was kind of, it was coaching our Calgary team at the time. All these teams are trying to figure out what she's got going on. So that's why it took so long because everyone's just like, why was she in hospital for so long? We, she would have a bowel surgery. She wouldn't get better. We try and figure it out. She'd have another bowel surgery. Didn't fix it. We try and figure it out. And it was like months and months of this. And then at month 11, oh, by the way, she has skid and now needs a bone marrow transplant. So she can no longer eat. She can no longer drink. And you have to wait until we have a match for her bone marrow transplant. And does the bone marrow oh transplant fix it, cure it, or is it just a hope that it helps it? For the immune system yeah. issue for skid, it's a treatment. They don't call it a cure because of kids like Bella. So she had complications post-transplant. Basically what happens is you're born with an immune system, which is your T cells and B cells that fight viruses and bacteria. Bella had zero. They called it a rare genetic mutation. She was born with no immune system and the bone marrow transplant successfully gives her T cells and B cells in a new immune system. And then you take over that donor's blood, basically. Wow. In the easiest terms, you get someone else's blood, 
their bone marrow. That's how your blood is made. Your cells are all made so then she can fight viruses and she can fight bacteria. So she had that at 15 months old and it was successful. And her donor is actually a nurse from Germany. So we got to be in contact with her two years later after her bone marrow transplant. The reason why they told Bella she can't eat or drink is because there's, they could not risk infection before the transplant. Mm-hmm. So she had the tube down her nose. So she like, if she was eating or drinking, she wouldn't aspirate. But anyways, so her bowel issues, they resolved for a while because she had complete gut, gut rest for months. She would have nutrition via IV or she had very small amounts in her stomach. And so it never really seemed to bother her bowels, but her bowels just um, continued to have more blockages than the doctors expected. And so it meant more surgeries. And still to this day, they're testing her for a possible bowel disease that's never been seen before because she's still having complications. But apart from that, she had her bone marrow transplant and then everything was great because she had suffered septic shock twice before that. And we almost lost her because she couldn't fight infection. And then she developed hemolytic anemia post bone marrow transplant. And so that was a blood disorder that they labeled a complication. And so they had to use a necessary evil is what I call it, because the medicine that fixed the anemia knocked out all of her B cells from transplant. So she's still immune compromised and she still needs IVIG every month to keep her immune system working. But in a typical successful bone marrow transplant, the child would have the bone marrow transplant, get the new immune system, go on and live their life with a brand new immune system, could get vaccines, could get immunizations and continue to fight disease and viruses. And what's happening for you guys? So is Lyle going back to work year on maternity leave? Are you split up? Can your family visit? What's that like? So the first year in hospital, like we were in Saskatoon trying to figure out our bowels and then we got transferred to Calgary when it came to her, you know, Saskatchewan was like, we don't have a, even have a GI doctor. Like Mm -hmm. now she's on oxygen. She's never needed oxygen. We got to send you somewhere specialized. So when we were in Saskatoon the first year, I was on mat leave, which was fine. And my husband and I, it was a couple months before he could come home and take care of like our pets, his job. Thankfully at the time, his boss was amazing. And he could also work remotely too. At month 11, when we got transferred out of province, it was really difficult. And then we had to morph into, you know, he could come every weekend, work during the week, drive to Calgary on the weekends as much as he could. Did you have like support in Calgary? Like how did you get breaks and how did you take care of yourself during all of this somewhat of hopefully a pioneer into support for parents that have to live in a children's hospital Mm -hmm. at that time so that would have been 2014 when we started living at ACH in Calgary there's no support there's no mental health support there's no counseling support for the parents it is only for the kids And so at that time, if I wanted to help myself, I would have to go outside the hospital away from Bella, look for a doctor or have my doctor from my home province, find someone for me and transfer me to them. Mm -hmm. It was exhausting and something I could never do. So I spent two years suffering through what later would be called PTSD and trauma to find out when I came home, how that actually affected me when I got home two years later. And then with Bella's story being ongoing, because of course we had to go back into hospital numerous times for many months post, I would start conversations with her counselors and the child life teams and the mental health support for her in the hospital. And I would really talk to them and be like, okay, like I've suffered this way because I'm trying to be there for my kid, but I can't Uh be there for my child in hospital. I'm suffering too. 
Absolutely. So for me, it really affected me later. I think my body was just in go mode the whole time. And so it took a few years for my body to say, nope, you're done. You need to stop doing everything because you just can't anymore. And that's when I found the effects of PTSD and trauma really started to affect me physically, anxiety and panic attacks and whatnot that were really debilitating. I would say in the past three years, I've finally been able to work through them better. But there was a time like when I was pregnant with Waylon, I was like 23 weeks pregnant with Waylon and Bella had just suffered an infection in hospital and went through we were in the ER the night before and we couldn't get an IV in her and they probably poked her eight or ten times in the time I'm trying to be strong for her it's traumatizing me as well my husband takes over and stays overnight with Bella in hospital so I can go home and rest and I'll never forget driving to the hospital that next morning and I before I got to the hospital I started to black out the way I parked in the hospital parking lot was not how someone normally parks. I left my door right. open. I left my phone in the car. I just ran into the ER and I could barely get out the words saying, I can't breathe. My daughter's upstairs. And the oh nurses were like, God. yeah. And so I was having a panic attack, not realizing it, thinking I was going to faint or die or something. And then I managed to get out like I'm pregnant and they took my blood pressure. And I remember it being something stupid. It was like, what's normal? 120 uh, over 80? Yeah. I was 155 over 90 something. Oh yeah. Not good. Yeah. And they were like, whoa. And then they went in and that was like the start of where I, I started to realize, okay, my body is not accepting this trauma and stress anymore. Yeah. It's hard. There's just not a lot of supports for adults or parents in a, in a children's hospital. And I'm really proud of the counselors, the social workers that have now recognized that and they now do have supports for parents and can help get them supports, which wasn't the case when we first started. I can't even imagine going in, like I've had babies and I can't even imagine going in to be like, I'm going to go have this baby. I'm so excited. And then just all of a sudden you're thrown into this medical world that is terrifying. Something I have been struggling with lately that I'm trying to navigate as best I can is when you want to share your story online to help others, a lot of people can take it differently because they're not seeing everything and they're not seeing real life all the time. Yeah. And so I I talked about this a few times on my socials that I want to share as be as real as possible. I have a child I need to protect. And I also don't want to put fear into other kiddos that have to go through medical things. And I don't want to put fear into other medical families. So I refrain from sharing a lot of the negative in order to just use our story to help give others hope versus fear. It gets hard when you try to do your best, but there's some things that really in the background that that I really struggle with. And it's hard to talk about. It's nice that I can share this with you guys on a podcast and talk about it on here. It's different than making a post on TikTok or Instagram, Mm -hmm. but there's so much in the background. Like as soon as I thought that I had Bellows medical management a little bit more under control, even though I know like at any point something could happen. Mm -hmm. I'm better at handling that. As soon as I felt like I could handle my own anxiety and worries a bit better, then my mom has been, she's been struggling with pre-Alzheimer's dementia for the last year. So I can't just go on Instagram and be like, sorry guys, I'm not feeling good today. I've had to take care of my mom all day. I can't do that. 
but that's in the background and that's really heavy. I'm trying to navigate through that with, it's just my sister and I trying to help her out, keep her safe. And after a year of that, which is ongoing, just in June, my dad had a heart attack. I needed to be there in the ER with him when the STARS ambulance took him away to Regina. And then a week later needed a quadruple bypass surgery. And there's just so much that I just can't post and talk about online that is really a lot to deal with. So whenever I see anyone out there, I try to teach Bella this to like another medical mom or any mom, really any dad caregiver. I always try to instill in her, like, look, like there, a lot of people are suffering and you don't know the whole story all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And it's another reason why I like to use my energy to be vocal online and share our story so much because they don't, those people don't know. And the teacher in me too wants to educate about what real medical situations for parents and kids can look like. Then hopefully I can help these people become a little bit more understanding and empathetic. Mm-hmm. I started posting videos on a YouTube channel. This is closer to my Facebook days. If you go and look at my YouTube channel, I have po- a lot of videos and a lot of them are from our first year in hospital. And what I wanted to do was go on there and I, I called it hospital mom hacks at the time, <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like Bella Brave, Kyla CT. So I called it hospital mom hacks. And I went on there and I talked about things that would help me and things that would help Bella while we were in hospital. Mm-hmm. One of the things I I actually talked about on there was like, look, like this is what we go through in a day and child life program, bless their souls. They're amazing. They see this in the parents and they try to help. There got to a point where of course, like you're just exhausted and I'm standing at her crib for 16 hours a day, not taking care of myself. Yeah. And they would have to help me leave the room to go to Tim Hortons and get that cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. just get out of the room, even Uh if you're walking down the hallway, because it's not good for your mental health. And I relied on them to say physically (laughs) help me out of the room, reassure me Bella's going to be okay. Uh Send me pictures, send me texts. They would have volunteers come in, certified registered volunteers come in and sit with Bella, play with Bella. Like they have all these programs in place to help caregivers take breaks. And it is so needed. I was wondering about Bella developing like the, yeah. in, a, in the first year of a kid's life, they learn to sit, roll over, stand, maybe walk, talk. So was her development otherwise on track or how does a kid deal being growing up in the first year of their life in a hospital? Yeah, we, there, there were some benefits that worked towards her favor. Like we had full access to OTs and PTs and right. therapies of all kinds. We didn't really she had so many serious issues with her bowels and her immune system in the first two years that we actually didn't get her full dwarfism diagnosis until she was two. And that's called cartilage hair hypoplasia. And it took the Alberta and Saskatchewan geneticist teams to look outside of our country because no one in Canada had experience with that. They actually found a, a specialist in California who had seen her entire skeletal x-rays and, uh, and came to know her story. And he had said never in his career had he had such a hard case to diagnose. She is very proportionate. So on the spectrum of CHH, she's very low because she's so proportionate. She doesn't have the typical like larger forehead or bowed legs, but she did have shortened, he called them shortened root bones. So from her shoulders to her elbow and from her hips to her knees. And 
So they never had a growth chart for her. They didn't know how she'd grow. The specialist said it was very hard for him to even confirm that she had CHH. And so once we had this dwarfism diagnosis, then we could understand more about her growth. But by that time at two, she'd already had multiple bowel surgeries, I believe five. Her surgeries from three days old were very like she had the first five surgeries were at like three days old and then two months and then four months and then eight months. Her bone marrow transplant was at 15 months. So she barely recovered from one and had another. And in there was also septic shock. And so she was constantly with cords and lines and surgeries and recovery the milestone of sitting or rolling or moving was just not there. So we went on her terms. And so physio and OT really helped me with all the physical stuff. And they were very impressed with her, how well she did recover after each surgery. And with all of that being in there too, like I remember things like the first time she would willingly eat or drink was when she was two. And that's from all the oral aversions that were caused Mm -hmm. right from three days old. She had the NG sump pumps down there and those are very uncomfortable she was vomiting a lot because of her bowel disease from birth till she was eight months old she would vomit like upwards of five times a day and we laugh about that too because she had to start eight days of chemo treatment before her bone marrow transplant and so that pre-chemo treatment wipes out everything so that the new bone marrow can grow when she started her chemo treatment she stopped getting sick (laughs) it was just like the way her immunologists and, and doctors talked to me about it was like she was born with so many weeds like the Hirschsprung's disease was weeds and the skid disease was weeds her insides were just not healthy and it was like the chemo came in there like roundup and just cleared everything out bone marrow could start new she got like a restart with stuff but when it came to more of her cognitive milestones and stuff she was like a above age level which was it was like a light in the dark yeah she was very smart she started saying words and talking at 10 months old I remember the teacher and me would I put word charts on her hospital walls and I taught her sign language to start with so she learned sign language and then she'd convert that into words and start using words and I remember her speech therapist graded her I think it was 10 months old around there anyways 10 or 11 months old they graded her and she was at like 96 98th percentile for for language and like for recessive and expressive victory (laughs) (laughs) she's a smart cookie but then again my my husband and I always talk about what kid starts their life with 20 adults having conversations around them every day true yeah right like she had nurses coming in doctors coming in specialists she literally had 15 to 20 adults around her constantly yeah. For the first two years of her life. So no wonder she talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot. I just keep hearing you like describe her and talk about everything that she's been through. And it's so incredible to me. And I find a little bit of humor in her being like, okay, I'm going to be born. I'm going to have the most rare things that you could ever imagine. I'm going to beat it all. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. she's just this yeah. like little ball of energy and like, I got this. Don't worry. I got this. We're going to figure this out. It's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. She is a firecracker from day one. I remember the one year I had to switch my way of thinking because I was right riding that lot, riding that ride with her. 
saying, mm -hmm. okay, you want to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to beat this. We're going to beat this oral aversion. You're going to eat again. You're going to drink again. You're not going to need IVs in your chest. You're not going to need an ostomy. You're not going to need a G2 button. We're going to get rid of it all because you're going to conquer it because all of those things that she needed were restricting her. They're restricting her from seeing her friends and doing what she wanted to do. And I was like, I don't want my kid's childhood robbed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was like working with her medical teams. What can we do to get rid of all this stuff so she can have a good childhood out of hospital? We got to that point, you know, she learned how to eat again. She learned how to drink again. We got to the point where we thought we had her bowel disease managed enough that she did have her ostomy gone for a whole year and we thought things were golden and to the point where she could hydrate herself. She's drinking again. Okay. She doesn't need that IV in her chest anymore. Take that out too. And we, it was glorious. It was like, she can swim, she can run, she can bike, she can go see her friends. She doesn't have to be tied down to medical stuff. And of course this was all, uh, this was when she was just about three around there, I think three, three or four. It's all blurring together now. <laughs> yeah. Bit. We got that victory. We met that victory and we were so happy. And it, it, it came crashing down because we didn't know the extent of her disease. And I had to accept at that point that this is not something we can conquer. This is something we have to manage. Right. And that was really hard for me to accept, really hard for me to accept. But since then, I've just taken in the advice and the knowledge from all of her medical staff and all the provinces. They have the ways to help her be a normal kid, have her childhood, but still take care of her medical needs. And so I was like, okay, you know what? She, yes, she has her ostomy back. It's an ileostomy now. She has her G-tube. She has her central line. She needs them. And managing it the way we are now lets her be as free as she wants to be. She's going to yeah, right. going into cheerleading. She's done dance. Oh my gosh. She's doing sleepovers with her friends. We're going camping. It's all good. So you had said at the beginning that she is now eligible for a bowel transplant. Yeah. So there's a few things that led up to that in the beginning of 2020 and some of 2019, her team in Calgary, we were just, management was getting harder and harder. She would have like her bowels basically with her disease, her bowels either don't move. They move too fast. They move when they want to move. They block themselves. They unblock themselves. And they basically either cause her blockages, which are very painful, or they cause her to dump, which is severe dehydration. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. We've looked into everything you can think of. It's just the disease causing the problems. It's not based on what she does or doesn't eat. It's her bowel disease. And so we have to manage it. And what would happen is randomly if they would kink or if she ate, maybe if she ate too much too fast, we never really knew it would just, it would happen and mm. she wouldn't have output for a day and get distended and pain. Oh. And sometimes blockages can cause surgeries to fix. And then on the other end of things, if they just decided to dump, they would draw all the fluid from her body and just dump it. So she's only 14 kilograms. Was that like 30 pounds? Wow. Yeah. Um, and she would dump two liters in a matter of hours Oh wow! and drop like two kilograms and it would be dangerous for her heart, very dangerous for her body. And we would be, then she'd be on IVs 24 seven or admitted to hospital. This is what her bowels would do. And then this is also why she needed a central line, permanent IV in her chest. And what had happened with that was while we were trying to manage her bowels and how they worked with different medications, she developed SVC syndrome. So basically the only lines that you have that you can put a permanent IV in were blocking and scarring. Oh no. And because she had 12 previous 
lines because of all these previous surgeries where she'd have a surgery. We thought she'd be good to go home. We'd take it out, left her with scarring. We didn't realize that at the time. We were just like, yes, get the IV out. We can go home. Not realizing we're losing more and more chances of her vascular access as we did that. And then we got to the point in 2020 where her doctors are like, she has no more vascular access. She's got one. And if we don't list her now, then she won't be eligible for a bowel transplant. So that made things really difficult because not only does she need a bowel transplant to survive this disease, she can't lose the one line she has left to get the surgery that will save her life. Oh my gosh. Right. So since 2020, since she's been listed, we've really been in a race against time to make sure that this line stays working so that she can get transplant when we get the call. Cause you never know when that call will come. Does she have to wait for a bowel of a child her size? It has to be a whole bowel from a child her size, sadly. Wow. That's why we're, yeah, we're, we work a lot with the David Foster Foundation and talk a lot about organ transplant because it's a lot that has to come together for her to get this transplant. It has to be a child in similar size. So that means another family losing their small child because Bella's only 14 kilograms. The bowels from a child that would be the donor have to be within that weight. So that would for sure be a child under six years old. Yeah. I was going to say like four to six, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Or even an infant, but that's yeah. so rare because we keep our kids so safe in Canada. We have such a good healthcare yeah. and mm -hmm. surgeons and ability to keep our kids safe that it could take a while. But I think it was just within the last year or two that the Sick Kids Hospital opened up their allowances for what blood types can be transplanted. It used to be only the universal blood type. Oh, wow. Oh. It wouldn't, like you would, you, or it was either that or the exact blood type. I can't remember. Like you're B negative, you only got B negative or mm -hmm. you only got O positive. Anyways, mm -hmm. right? they opened it up. Now it can be either. So there's more chance there for Bella. Yeah. If one of those two blood types happen to pass away and the bowels are healthy, then that would be the two deciding factors. Yeah. There's such a huge complex part of transplanting, right? It's so hard, especially for pediatrics, like that have to go into transplant because it's parents that have to, okay, yes, my child has to die so you can yeah. harvest their organs. They ha that has yeah. to come out of their mouth. Right. And I talk with our transplant team all the time about this because in my head, I'm just like, how can I share this to help others and not, mm -hmm. of course, scare them? But it needs to be talked about. And when they talk to me about the details of how that process goes, because I was getting scared too. We're going on, we're past two years waiting now. And I'm just like, do all the doctors realize what this takes? Is there a doctor in Consul Saskatchewan that really understands if there's an accident and those kids' bowels are viable, does that information get to sick kids for my kid? Right. And yeah. I sat down and talked with my transplant nurse just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, these things are going through my head and I need help calming my mind down. Mm -hmm. And she, she reassured me. She's like, okay, first of all, we constantly meet. There's only two places in Canada that transplant organs. It's Edmonton and SickKids for the bowel transplant that Bella would need. SickKids is doing it and she's registered. Every bowel that becomes available goes through SickKids. So yeah, we will yeah. know. Not only that, her transplant team there, it's the gift team. Dr. Bitzer is the head of the gift team and he and his team of nurses, they go to, I think it's monthly, but I can't remember, but they are at every ICU, PICU meeting constantly mm -hmm. reviewing the process. Okay. If you get this organ, 
This is how we let you know. This is how it gets set. So it's, that's constantly being reviewed. Every mm -hmm. ICU in Canada is in connection with sick kids for organ transplant. And I'm like, okay, good. That helps me. And I'm like, okay, tell me again how the scenario works. Because I can't just hear of an accident and be like, okay, is this going to work out? She reminded me that the likelihood of organs being able to be transplanted after, a, say, a car accident or something like that is very low. Because the organs need oxygen to survive prior to transplant. And so what that means is if you're in a car accident, they don't get to you in time, whether your heart's failed, your brain's failed, those organs aren't getting oxygen. They're not transplantable most of the time or the bowels aren't, right? The bowels are very sensitive. She said, most of the time, what needs to happen is there's usually a child who's had brain trauma and is on breathing support, life mm -hmm. support in hospital in PICU for a while. And she said, by that time, of course, if they're in the PICU, we know about the case. We have our team to go and discuss with the parents about organ donation in the best way possible, because they're the ones that know how that process yeah. works. Mm -hmm. So we've had that discussion with them. And then from there, it still has to work out that the bowels that need to be transplanted are viable and healthy and usable. Then the parents have to give the okay. Okay, right. take them off life support donate their organs and that is very hard to go through I can't imagine yeah. sitting there making that decision for your child and yeah. I just hope that any parent that's listening that ever might be in that situation or come across that situation just to know that it's hard in that moment of course it's gut-wrenchingly hard but if anything helps you're saving another kid's life like mine yeah and that's yeah. all I can really that's all I can really do is just really hope that helps them in that moment yeah, we yeah, we interviewed the mom of Mackenzie who died of a brain trauma after being injured in a day home. She was in Calgary. And once it was decided that recovery was unlikely, there wasn't brain activity. She talked about being on that receiving end of having the donor team come in and talk to them and see about that. And it was a really beautiful process, despite the tragic sort of nature of it. It was really interesting to hear her side of it being that yeah. that parent having to make that choice. Does Bella's prognosis change substantially with a bowel transplant? Is there like an alternative for Bella in the meantime? I don't know what that would yeah. be, but. Yeah, right now, I would just say it's the best management we can do until the call comes. I do know that right now we are very blessed to have started. Bella's been on a new medication for a year now that just became available for pediatrics in Canada. And it's called Revestive or GLP-2. And it's, it's a daily injection that grows the villi in her bowels so that they can better absorb the nutrients she takes by mouth. I'm so thankful for it because it's making her management prior to transplant amazing. So much yeah. easier. She's gone from needing 24 hours of IV fluids to, and I'm talking like liters of TPN, like nutrition via IV. She used to need almost two liters every day. Wow. And her little body, you can only run that for such time. I, we would have to run IVs like 20 hours a day at home. Wow. She's gone from that to now she only needs 300 mils, like just a couple cups. <laughs> 300 yeah. that's a cup 250 is that one 250 yeah. yeah like a cup yeah. of it yeah yeah needs like one and a half cups of this iv nutrition three days a week wow. wow so that's how this new medication has supported her bowels so we have that we also have supplements and vitamins and other medications that help her bowels move 
so that they don't just stop moving or they don't move too fast. And so I'm not catching her up either after she has dumping days and has like severe dehydration. We haven't had to do that in a long time, but that's not to say that if she were to get sick with something, say like a stomach bug, we might have to jump back on that IV train for a while yeah. until she yeah. happens. But yeah. Can have it for a while. Her management is good right now. And we just, we have to just hope that stays the course until the call comes. I, I try not to think too much about anything happening to her line because it's, I have a hard time envisioning what would happen if she couldn't get the transplant. Because if and when she does get the transplant, that's a whole new life for her. Austin yeah. is gone. IV reliance is gone. Everything's gone. She has her non-medical life back. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I know my doctors or her doctors have reassured me that oh, if the worst case scenario happens, we have plan B's, but they tell me not to think about that right now. Yeah. They tell me that they're, they're like, let us worry about that. If that happens, when that happens, don't think about it right now. How do you as a family deal with this sort of literally like right now you could get a call and everything wheels in motion. How do you deal with that? How do you help Bella manage that? Because does she have a concept of sort of that impending wheels in motion and how do you guys as a family operate knowing that at any moment you might have to just hit the ground running yeah so I know right now if we got that call today she would jump with joy and start screaming with excitement she cannot yeah she is getting really frustrated waiting because she's dealt with the frustration of medical needs for almost nine years now she's done with the poking poking the prodding we're down to three nights a week but she's still got to be hooked up to IVs and she still has an ostomy that's attached to her. <laughs> she's just like, yeah. can I get the call, please? So I'm really happy she's confident about it and excited. And when we first got listed, it was so many emotions. It felt like the call was going to come the next day. And then as the weeks got on, the months get on, and now the years, I don't want to say that I've really not become depressed about it, but I'm sad that I don't know when it's going to happen because I feel like every day is forever. And I I think to myself every night, please, can I, my phone just ring? Can my phone just ring? Because the sooner it happens, the more of her life she gets to be out of this medical world. And I don't want that to happen when she's in her twenties. I want it to happen now. You know what I mean? But we know that at any moment when that call comes, we are going to be excited. We're not going to be scared. I think just because we feel happy and excited right now, because we know what this can do for her. And I've been like that with a with many of her surgeries where I just won't let fear take over. I just won't let it because I know what that path will lead to. But if I can be positive and excited and happy about it, I know it'll be okay. And yeah, when we get that call, we get on the flight, we get to Toronto and it happens. And there's lots of other scenarios that can happen that my transplant team has warned me about. They're like, you know what? You could get here. The organs might not be a fit. There's so much that has to come together but they warn me about every possible scenario. And I I just hope for the best in this moment right now and try to stay happy about it. That kind of leads me into where did Bella Brave come from? Yeah. (laughs) Your merch is so great. And so where, how did that come about? Yeah. So this is really the brainchild of my husband, actually. Mm. And we've worked on it a bit together, but he really started the thought process on this. And because he also started the whole reason we have our tree farm is when we realized in, my, in our second year of being in hospital, he's like, okay, let's have a backup plan because you're not going to be able to go back to teaching for a while. Mm-hmm. So we started the tree business and that's his baby. And it's 
birthed into a large business, which has been great for us financially. And then we're six, seven, eight, nine years down the road now, and I still can't go back to full-time teaching. And so my husband's like, what if we throw merch into the mix? Let's give it a shot. And it's a unique start to this because we were actually, we were thinking about this. We were planning a logo. We were planning a design. We had all this ready to go. Then Bella gets septic shock and we're sent into the PICU in Calgary. So this is April, April 21. And we're in the PICU and I get a phone call from one of my friends in town. And she's like, I had a lady reach out to us online from the States and she wants to support you by starting a merch business for you. What do you think? And she had her old printing shop, everything. And her name was Nikki. I was like, my husband and I were like, this is crazy. This is exactly what we were going to do as soon as we were back home. And she started it all for us, like just got it going and it blew up like the first couple months. It was crazy. just took off. So we gave her our designs. We gave her our logo that we had created and she printed it and put it out there for everyone to take. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then, so she eventually couldn't keep that printing manufacturer going. And so then we needed to take over ourselves. So since then, it's been a little bit harder, but it's basically been like a job for me, I've been putting work into finding companies that can print and manufacture our merch based on my designs. And so recently we created a new design, which is not just the logo Bella Brave, but now we have a shield, a Be Brave shield, which I drew and Bella helped me design it. And so we just want, it's just another way that we want people to feel brave and to get through hard things. And we've really just been growing it based on Bella's designs, thoughts, wants, and uh, it's hard though. Can't, like we're in Canada. There's not a lot of companies that want to print merch locally and be yes. able to send it throughout the world. So we've, the only tricky part I found is we've had to work partner with a lot of places from the States. So I feel bad for like Canadian supporters because it's yeah. like, I'm sorry. And then of course there's shipping costs. If we want to make money for Bella, because we put the money into her savings or we use it for her medical needs medical travel so every purchase 30 to 50 percent goes to Bella wow yeah so we we try to have it as accessible as possible but that still comes with some costs for the manufacturers and printing companies but overall we really just hope that people it helps them get the message out there that like you can be brave through hard things too I need one of those (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh and like on our Bella and I, we use our TikTok lives. We'll go live and our Instagram. We like to do lots of giveaways. Oh, nice. Yeah, we do. We've done two giveaways on our TikTok lives recently. Pretty much every time we go live, we'll do a giveaway on Instagram too. We'll do giveaways every once, every new launch, that sort of thing. I love that. We'll have to do over on our Patreon. We do draws where we'll either buy merch from somebody or if they have a book, we'll buy the book. So we'll buy something from Bella's store Mm. and do a giveaway on our Patreon. That would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe we'll just get something for us too. How does Waylon understand? He's only three, but does he understand that Bella has unique needs and is smaller? Like he looked just from when he popped in on video, he looks more of a typical size. Yeah, he's definitely your average three-year-old for for sure. Like when he was born, he was 50 percentile everything. Like, oh, wow. I remember the nurses were like, this is the type of kid we see in our textbooks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And of course he's been in this medical life from birth. There's been a few hospital stays where he's right there with me in the car seats or the nurses are holding him while they're treating Bella. 
that sort of, so he's been a part of that. When Bella's home care nurses come over, he's like, Hey, put the cuff on my arm. I want to that. <laughs> I call him my sweet little old soul because he's very, I think I have an empath on my hands, which makes me very happy because that's very much me. Mm-hmm. Someone I can cry with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's very sweet. And Bella's my go getter, feisty, sass queen. Mm-hmm. So I feel a little sorry for him in a sense that she's often the one to knock him down in the fights. But oh, that's he, so funny. He's very understanding for his age. And I have always been very vocal with him, helping him understand it because I had that experience with Bella. Of course, she had to grow up in hospital. And so I was always just very like truthful with her and helped her understand from a very like real perspective. I'm glad he's getting older and gets it more because it, it was really hard. So we had to go to sick kids. And the first time he's one and two. And so we would have to leave him with grandma and grandpa. My first time I had to go to sick kids with Bella, I was gone for four months. And that was really hard because I didn't know at that, like she went for assessment and then it turned into a emergency surgery on the Beswar. That was a whole thing. She needed bowel surgery. We had to stay longer. I don't know when I'm coming home again. And that was really hard because he would just see me on FaceTime. And then that happened again the next year gone her next day at sick kids she had septic shock and then we were there for I think two or three months for another summer and so those two episodes really ingrained in his mind like oh when mom says she has to go to the hospital she's gonna be gone and so I'll never forget the first night I came home from the second Toronto trip I think is when it sunk in he's two now he can talk to me and I was like okay Bella's got a doctor's appointment tomorrow gotta go to the hospital it was just blood work in town he immediately broke down and started to cry and he's like please don't go to the hospital yeah please don't go to the hospital and I was like oh god here we go so from then I realized he thinks I'm gonna leave for a while again and so I tried to reassure him and I started bringing him with me and I'm like this is a quick visit like super quick and I related to other quick things that I'm like quick like breakfast or (laughs) yeah Yeah. getting dressed like we're gonna be done right away mommy's not leaving and so then yeah. I would bring him with me to the appointments and he would sit there while Bella had to get whether it was x-ray or blood work off her line. And, and then we'd drive back home and then he started to be like, oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to genetics and getting pregnant again, was there a thought that Balaam could have the same thing as Bella? Yeah. So after we, we discussed because we, we wanted to have a large family, right? Like we wanted to have more mm-hmm. kids. And after Bella was born, of course, we needed to take a lot of time to think about that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what that meant for our next child. And so we had a lot of conversations with her genetics doctor. They had told me that with her condition, there's a one in four chance our next child could be born with the same condition. And it wasn't that the dwarfism would be an issue at all. Of course, but it was skid being fatal, Hirschsprung's being horrible. And we were like, no, we don't want that for our next kid, no matter what the chances are. Mm-hmm. Of course, like with the way some of our medical systems work, it was like to do the testing at 12 weeks and then contemplate termination mm-hmm. or PGD IVF. So it's like, oh, zero dollars to test later, but you can't do anything <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. Or 17 grand just <sighs> pop out of your pocket. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, hello, government, like I'm trying to save you guys billions. Yeah. 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 Right. I guess maybe not billions. In Bella's case, it could be close. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I talked to the geneticist. I'm like, how is this not a thing? Like, how is it that I am taking the time to try and save our healthcare system money by mm-hmm. doing the pre-genetic testing 
so that my next child doesn't spend years in hospital. How is that not covered? Yeah. And she's like, where do we draw the line? Do, like what condition hunting, Huntington's? Are we drawing it at a random blood disorder? Are we drawing right. it at this condition, that condition? Like we can't, the government can't draw a line. Yeah. They don't cover it. So from yeah. that point, we decided, okay, this is the route we got to take regular IVF treatment for fertility issues in couples is I think on average 10 grand. And then to add the pre-genetic testing on top of that for us was another seven grand. And so it's very costly. So we decided to start saving because we couldn't live with the risk of our next child having to go through what Bella had to go through. And so we, we definitely had heavy discussions with our genetics team and Bella's immunologist. And so we, we went the PGD IVF route and had Waylon healthy and safe. And we even, because Bella had the condition she did, it was also at no cost to us to have Waylon's cord blood saved. And this can benefit Waylon or if you decide to have more kids. So you have that. I had a great pregnancy with him and the whole PGD IVF worked out. From that whole process, some women are left with more than one embryo to right. transfer. And so after we had Waylon and he was healthy and everyone was looking at me like I was crazy, like, how could you have another kid with this major medical kid that you already have? And I'm just like, oh, people, of course he was an amazing baby, just like Bella was. And we wanted to grow our family, right? Like we had to wait so long and we knew we could have healthy kiddos that didn't have to live in hospital, then let's have a big family. So we, we fortunately had two embryos left after the whole okay. process. And we definitely, I definitely wanted to have those. I wanted to have Waylon and then wait a couple years, have more, wanted to have all these kids. It, for me personally, I could not just leave them. They were my babies. I wanted to yeah. want yeah. have them. I couldn't just leave them. So we tried, but unfortunately those two didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't take. And I'm so sorry. So, yeah. So we're done with that path and we are, we have Waylon and Bella and we are so happy that they are happy little kidlets that we could ask for. And so we're a family of four and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you're doing such an amazing thing on social media sharing and Bella's just this like amazing light and she's probably so comforting to other children who are going through medical challenges and being able to see her and say, I can be brave like her. I'll never forget. There was this 15 year old girl and I'm sure there was many more teenagers even, but we, so through Bella's bone marrow transplant process, we lived on the oncology unit for an entire year. We were already on the bowel unit too at ACH. They transgressed. And so we were next door to the kids going through cancer treatment. And that year was hard because we met friends and we lost friends. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the one girl. She was like 15 and Bella and I would always walk the halls and she was one years old at this time walking the halls whether we were in her stroller or a little scooter or she was holding my hand the nurse came in and she's so and so down the hall is just she's like I need to let you know how you've touched her like she has had some really dark days fighting cancer and she sees Bella and it brings her hope and life and she's just, she's like I wanted to let you know that oh, and I'm like wow. oh then I puddle because I'm like okay my little girl's helping other little girls and it just meant yeah. a lot to me absolutely yeah. oh that's, that's amazing so nice yeah. yeah oh wow you guys amazing. are amazing <laughs> yeah thank you so much for yeah. being on our podcast I think it's yeah like I said we've been following you 
and Bella for so long. So it's so nice to chat with you and hear some things that you don't post online. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. We will let you get on with your day. You got to go check out Waylon's new hockey gear. Yeah. We're yeah. Going <laughs> with Dad today too. So we're going to. Oh, uh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's have so the fun. best time and yeah. we'll have to do this again. We'll do a catch up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Cool. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. We'll talk okay. to you. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. How's it going? It's all right. How about you? Good. I'm still laying in this bed covered in a blanket. You laid down the like, entire episode. I know. It's like the <laughs> light is just right. And it's, there's, it's like a little cool in the room. Oh, that's perfect. perfect. Napping atmosphere. Thank you but... for staying awake during this time. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to Kyla and Bella oh. for sharing their story amazing amazing i don't know i've had had babies and to have that scenario where there's something wrong and they have to be taken away from you and you've got to make decisions and hospitals and it's just crazy our little aphid friend is back oh he's looking for his friend i can't remember what the other (laughs) one's name i think his name is frank and your friend's name was judy oh judy i left in calgary so (laughs) sorry frank Um, Kyla, thank you so much. Bella, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It was so great to hear your story and we're going to buy some Bella Brave merch and give it away over on our Patreon, I think maybe for November. Absolutely. And everybody follow them on TikTok. They're so funny. Totally. And then follow us on all of our, oh, you tell me. No, you do it. You. (gasps) Follow us on all of our socials on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Buy me a coffee. Yeah, all the things. Patreon. I'm going to need to go get a coffee if I'm expected to stay up past 8 p.m. Yeah, I did have a coffee and my ADHD meds, so I'm like... My God, you're just buzzing. I am. I don't even hear it, but my cousin's dog, dog. my fur niece, Trim, is having a time out there. Trim? That's such a funny name for a dog. It's It's T-R-Y-M-M. I don't know if it's like from something, but she's Maybe it's Scottish. Oh, maybe. She did marry a Scotsman. My cousin, yeah. not the dog. Uh, <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> no judgment. Her, love anything, anyone. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Oh, I hope you have everyone a good rest has... of your day. Oh my God. You have a good rest of your day. Okay, I will. I get back on Monday night and then we have to get together immediately so I can tell you all the things. Spill all the tea. All the tea, which I'll spill over on our Patreon. Perfect. And so also people join us on Patreon. It's so much fun. Yeah. It gives you like an extra little glimpse into our lives. We talked about Carling's drama, my drama, my moving drama. We kind of share lots of little secrets over there. Yeah. Our life is very dramatic and therefore that's basically why we started Patreon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We need to be able to share, but we need it to be a safe place. It's a safe space. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Have a great week and we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.